You're listening to Of Sights and Men with Benji and Jacob. A Daily Magician Production. Hi there. If you're wondering why you're not hearing our usual intro, it's because I need to tell you a few things before we get into this podcast. First of all, Michael Vincent is deaf. So there are a few things that are a little bit different. First of all, we filmed this over Zoom so that he could lip read us, of course, uh, which was pretty much a magic trick in of itself. I mean, the guy is amazing. Um, so there'll be a few times where he says, oh, what did you say? Or I didn't quite hear that. Now you know why, because he had to kind of lip read us or get used to kind of how we talked. So just so you know, that's a thing. Secondly, we didn't record this in our usual professional software, so the audio is slightly worse, uh, but it's Michael Vincent. I mean, what more could you need? So enjoy, uh, and the podcast will begin right now. Hello, and welcome back to a very special episode of of Slides and Men. Uh, we have a, a guest on today that we've been wanting to uh, have on for, for a long time. Uh, and we know that a lot of you know his name because we've we've talked about his YouTube a lot and we've talked about his magic a lot. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's well, Michael Vincent, uh, as as you can see if you're watching the video. <laughs> uh, hi there, Jacob. Good to see you. Good to see you. It really does feel like you know when you were saying, "Oh, we have Michael Vincent." Oh, no, I was waiting for you to say, "Oh, we have Sir Michael Vincent." I know. I was I was gonna say Sir. <laughs> That's why I stopped myself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not knighted like, yet. A <laughs> few more years. Yeah. Yeah. A few more grace. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh man, that was so weird. I was like, I wanted to say like, sir, just in like, but then I was like, in England, that means something so different. I was like, if I, if you, you know, if you go like, oh, like it's sir, whatever in America, it's quite different. But in England, it's like, oh, it's sir, Michael Vincent. So yeah. <laughs> you guys are funny. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ben, yeah. do you want to, do you want to give him a quick yes. intro? Yeah, uh, uh, sure. Well, uh, Michael Vincent, uh, where do I start? Um, I believe you've won the kind of the award-winning Academy not Academy Award, uh, <laughs> the Magic Castle <laughs> has awarded you uh, at least like three times now. Maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's uh, is it is it the like close-up magician uh, of the year, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like pretty unparalleled what you've achieved in terms of your recognition among other magicians. But that's more like a quantitative side of things like in terms of just the qualitativeness like if you watch michael vincent's magic he has this grace and this elegance that is so rare these days and it's like a i don't know it's like a homage to the the great magicians that have come before us um and so he's been on penn and teller a, a couple of times they're huge fans of his um I, I'm, I'm almost flubbing this because I'm, I'm nervous right this is a personal hero of mine <laughs> i want to do him justice but i think if you go and watch one of his videos and i think that alone will do it justice and hopefully that's good enough yeah so to get started how are you Great. michael how are you I'm, doing <laughs> in all honesty i'm very very tired okay um i'm not i'm not i'm not sleeping well at the moment so if i do get to sleep it's usually three four hours um there's a reason for it i'm looking after my mother she has dementia so mm. it's really impacted my well-being having said that <laughs> i'm not complaining because it's life has to be dealt with with integrity and honor taking care of a parent in that situation i've got support that helps um and uh, to be a carer at this time of my life 
in this period in human history with the pandemic is brutal. Yeah. It, re it really, really is. And uh, not working, not earning, wondering what's going to happen next. It's all very uncertain. So how am I? <laughs> I'm confused as hell. <laughs> but I'm saying that with a smile on my face because I'm, I'm profoundly grateful for being alive, being relatively healthy, and having a mindset which needs to be occupied by something. This right. is an interesting point I'm going to make. I love magic as a subject. Forget the fact that I'm now retired and in exile. I still love the subject. Everything about it, the history, the people, my mentors, and all of the additional branches of interest that magic has triggered for me. Um, personal development, psychology. These are things I still find of great interest. So I'm, I'm really using this time to study, mm. to read books, study, writing my journal. This keeps my brain healthy. And I say this because there might be somebody watching, the, oh, sorry, listening to this, who may be struggling with mental health. Mental health is a big deal right now. And given the pandemic, how is, how is someone with mental health coping being locked down at the moment? It must be terrible. Mm. And I'm only assuming, and I don't want to upset anybody by my assumptions, but I'm concerned because I've come right to the edge of tasting what that depression could be like. But mm -hmm. something snapped me out of it. It was my love for the subject. Okay, so last year was a very difficult time. That's why the videos started popping up. It gave me something to do, focus on. Had to learn some new skills about lighting, video, framing, everything. Video editing on my phone. I thought, wow, this is really interesting. And the feedback that I got from those videos inspired me to do more of it. Okay, so this was good therapy for me. Okay, so all things considered, I'm grateful, if that makes sense. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. Michael, uh, you should, my, my, both, my, both my grandparents had dementia. Um, oh. and they, uh, they lived with like our family for, uh, about a year. We, we looked mm. after them. So they lived, they yeah. had, we had an annex and they lived with us and it's, it's really hard. Um, so just know that you really understand. You. Yeah. you want, you understand the daily challenges that yeah. it brings. Okay. Yeah, great. It, it's hard. Cause I've heard it described. I don't know if you heard this is kind of like a, a bookshelf dementia is. And so like, it's like the books fall off, right? And maybe one day they'll be stuck on one book and then another day they'll be lower down in the bookshelf, you know, and it's like the things that they remembered first fall first, right? And it gets lower and lower. And so it's, it's a hard thing. And it's hard because you don't want like, it's hard not to have your perception of them change. There's just, there's so much, there's so much that comes with that. That's really difficult. So I respect I'm glad you. you I'm really glad you mentioned that metaphor of the bookshelf because that's exactly how it was explained to me. Mm. All the earliest memories falling away. Right. So, you know what? Most of my conversations with mom are rooted in the past. Right. So, you know what? As they say with the circle of life, 
it has to come full circle. Mm -hmm. And I've learned something from one of my heroes, which was Viktor Frankl. Have you heard of Viktor Frankl? Yeah. Okay, Viktor Frankl wrote a book called A Man's Search for Meaning. He mm. was a survivor of Auschwitz during the war. And oh, just yeah, one, yeah. one, one simple phrase in the book was a very transformative moment for me because he said, no matter what you deal with in life, it will always be external. But what you choose to make it mean will always be an internal conversation right here. Right. So the meaning that I give to a specific situation like this, well, I'll be honest with you, I cursed it to high heaven when it started. Mm -hmm. But then I had to reframe my relationship to it and then do a complete 360 degree turn and have a look at myself. Well, who am I being about this? Well, I was mm -hmm. being resentful. Why? Not why me, but why is this happening? I thought, you know what? It's okay. And something Frankel said, no matter what you do in life, your greatest victory will be to endure it and not let it defeat you. Yeah. To endure it. Almost right. like Jesus on the cross. He endured right to the end. And he decided when he said, it's finished. And then he died. Done. Right. It's a strange paradox, but it's a very similar situation. You know, yeah. yeah, it's it's interesting because I think often in life, I don't know, something that someone said to me that, that kind of really impacted me is they said, you know, your best changes every day. So like as far as, and through periods of your life, right? So maybe your best one day is just like getting out of bed and showing up, right? <laughs> and maybe your best another day is, running a marathon you know or <laughs> lifting some huge weight or maybe your best another day is crossing the english channel in a boat you know everyone has a different best on different days right and it's interesting because i think sometimes we hold ourselves if <laughs> this is a weird way to say it but to our best best it's like the day that we were really at our highest it's like we need to be like that every day right but i think as situations change so does what our best is for that day or what our best is for that month. Right. So uh, I like, I like what you say that like it's, you know, enduring and enjoying life, trying to enjoy life. Um, the way that we do that changes day to day. And, and sometimes we can hold ourselves to such high standards, you know, um, when really like, I really love that example because it's interesting, right. That everything that changed for him is because uh, the person he's talking about, um, if I'm thinking about the right person, which I think I am, uh, who had this transformative experience during the Holocaust, right? This, and, and so he was being treated badly. You know, obviously he was, everything was taken from him. But the one thing that wasn't taken from him that he realized was his own decisions, right? How he would react to things. Uh, and so, yeah. And so he, he started to be kind to the guards, right? Who were, who were, who were, the Nazis, right, that were, that were in charge of the concentration camp, he started to inspire those around him. Mm, and he just, mm. it snapped in his head, right? He changed that how he would react was anything that he could control. And so anyway, the, the way that those two correlate, I think for me is, you know, uh, maybe some, like one day the best thing we can do, right, is just 
get out of bed and that's what we were in control of that day and so maybe what's going to happen for you i don't know especially being a carer right of somebody with dementia you can't control that right you and you can't control which book they're going to be on <laughs> each day yeah yeah but you can control um how you react to it and what your best is that day so mm. thank you for sharing that because i think you, really you've cool. actually given me a great gift i had not considered I'm going to be honest with you. Some days I go to bed of complete failure. Mm -hmm. And I feel that day when I have that feeling, my best was crap. In fact, my best didn't show up. But you just said my best could be, or the best for someone, could be just getting out of bed. Now consider this. There are people in this world who cannot get out of bed, not because they're handicapped, but their body just won't respond to that simple command. Oh, the alarm's gone. The shower, the door, just to do the basics. Get out of bed, make your bed, have a shower, put your clothes on. Some people can't even do that, but they're not handicapped. So this is a very profound thing that you said, to get out of bed. Yes, it's a physical action, but what triggers it? Right. Will the will to live, the mm -hmm. will to live, the desire to live, the desire to get up and move. Right. Once that desire has gone, what, wh where's the human being, the creative essence of life? Wow. Right. <laughs> Listen, for me, I've got my money's worth from this conversation. <laughs> Seriously. So I'm, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you my best effort now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I um, I, I love this topic of endurance. There's a, I'm sorry? There's a book. Uh, I love the topic of endurance. You know, endurance. endurance. Yeah, there's a book I read last year, Endurance uh -huh. by um, Alfred Lansig, about Ernest Shackleton, the Arctic explorer. Oh, of course, Shackleton, yes. Where did and, he go? North or south? He went one of them. Shackleton. Um, south, I think, <laughs> Antarctica. <laughs> Yes, I, question. <laughs> I read about his expedition. It was pretty brutal. <laughs> oh, very, very. Yeah. But what, what's in, what's blew my mind when I read it was how it wasn't just a case for them of purely enduring, but the adaptations that they made. And so when they were trapped on the ice, they it became their new life and, and they got used to it. And, and they it was like a civilization. And for them, they, they became content with that via the endurance and the acceptance and and knowing that well they can't control where they are they're stuck on the ice but they could control how they carried themselves and how they treated their situation and they made the most of it and and eventually all of them survived and it's one of my favorite books of all time and i just uh, yeah it's it's great can you can you write down the name of that book in the chat, yeah, I I'm gonna, I'll, I'll definitely put it in the chat. see if I can source a copy of it. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I think we've, we've got off to a, a really <laughs> good and profound start. Like you said, it kind of, it feels weird to talk about different subjects after going so deep, right? And <laughs> it's almost like you need to let the mind settle for a second. Um, yeah. But, but um, I would like to ask you, um, I mean, you're obviously, uh, and, and this is not the second question that we had written down, <laughs> but, um, I would like to ask you, um, 
in your life, I mean, I'm sure, and we've, it seems like you've been through a lot, right? Um, I mean, dealing with now being a full-time carer, which is an incredibly difficult job uh, on top of having obviously, you know, woken up one morning and lost your hearing as a magician. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Uh, um, how I, I'm sure, you know, it's, it's a, it sounds great now, you know, it's a great story now. It's like, well, of course he got up and he persevered and, you know, he's a, he's a great magician. He's, he's better than he's ever been. But behind the scenes, I'm sure for you, there are a lot of times that you wanted to give up, right? Where you didn't want to get out of bed or you felt like your world was, was crumbling. Right. Um, what, what, what would you say inside you? What made you keep going? How did you, how did you decide that? It, yeah. That's a very good question. Let me just get present to something. Would you believe the morning I woke up and I couldn't hear my own voice? I knew something was wrong, but I didn't immediately feel I'd lost my hearing because in the background of my head, I could hear music. And it was as clear as listening to a radio. I could hear Frank Sinatra singing my way. And I heard a piano tinkling in the background. I thought, what the hell's going on? <laughs> and then I felt my phone vibrate. That's when, when I listened to answer, that's when I realized I had a problem because I couldn't hear anything. But here's the thing, that same morning, I had to get ready for a show that evening. Wow. But my, my hearing was all scrambled. Plus I had tinnitus. Hmm. So I had a constant humming in my head. And I just said to myself, what the hell's going on? Anyway, I go out and I do the show. The show was fine. I got one question answered. I could still function as a magician and perform you may not know this but i'm a graduate of landmark education are you familiar with it i'm not okay you can google landmark forum later okay i was i was in, i was in the education for six years and uh, i said to myself well now this is interesting now landmark education how are you going to help me to deal with the fact that i've lost my hearing no sooner had i asked myself that question the answer popped into my head because i remembered a conversation i had with one of my coaches in a classroom and we were having a conversation about listening and i just had this incredible awareness i just michael wait a minute your ears don't work anymore. That means you can't hear anything. But it doesn't mean you can't listening. Listen, listening is a function of the mind. We use our eyes to look at things, but we interpret what we're looking at as sight through our mind. Vision is an internal. I could land on the moon right now if I wanted to, just by my imagination and vision without leaving this room. So the distinction that saved me, my ears don't work, but my listening is a function of my mind. 
this is when my ex-mutation kicked in because I started to pay attention in a way that I never did before. Okay, let me answer your question. I knew that I could still function and perform. In fact, my performances became a lot better because I began to use my deafness in my performance. The audience knew right from the beginning that I'd lost my hearing because I told them. And I said to them, I'm going to be lip reading you. So if, if you speak to me and I don't respond, it just means I'm a bit slow at the moment. So I apologize in advance. I thought of all of the magicians who were my heroes that were handicapped in some way. Brother Hammond was in a wheelchair. He suffered polio as a boy. René Lavon lost his right hand when he was nine years old. Richard Turner's blind. I just said, what the hell do I have to complain about? I can function and I will find a way to function and be effective with no loss of impact. Okay. In fact, my audience will experience me in a way they've never experienced me before. They will experience me as someone who really listened to them. So my show transformed because I spent more time listening to my audience. I'd ask a question and I would stir them down. Lip reading, focus, and then I would respond. So my whole timing and rhythm change forever because every trick has a certain rhythm and timing that had to be readjusted. Why? Because if I needed to ask a question, I need to allow myself more time to wait for the response to come. My misdirection changed forever. Why? Because my timing shifted and I'm only talking a minute second, either side of a technique or whatever. And something interesting happened. The impact of the magic became stronger. Why? Because I was allowing the audience time to process everything that had happened instead of rushing through the routines like I used to. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I kept going simply because I loved the subject. I did the subject well. I enjoyed fooling people with it. I enjoyed making people laugh. Now I couldn't hear the laughter, but I could see the smiles. And something interesting happened. I became aware of micro expressions on the face of people. This is where my ex-mutation kicked in. I began to interpret the micro expressions on people's faces. Keep in mind, I couldn't hear what they were saying, but I would see this or little shifts in the body or the face would give me the answer to all the questions. And I've been training myself to interpret and then communicate from what I understood I was seeing. Okay. I'm going to give you a little challenge. Okay. On a given day of the week, don't talk as much as you normally would. Just listen. 
and pay attention. That's a good one for me. Benji's better um, at that than I am, but <laughs> that's a good one for me. I don't want to. I don't want to. Just try it. Well, really pay attention to everything in your surrounding. And if people say to you, "Why aren't you talking today?" Just say, "I'm doing an experiment. I am listening to you, but I've chosen not to speak today." And just notice what happens. You'll discover some very interesting things. I promise you. <laughs> Well, that's a great invitation. I love that. Thank yeah, you. I'm about to make this podcast very awkward by not. Yeah, thinking. we'll do. We'll choose today, Michael. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll choose today, Michael. We'll start now. <laughs> oh, right now. Yes. <laughs> no. uh, as much as I I'd just, love to I, do I, that, yeah. I want you guys to become comfortable with the greatest sound in the world. Hmm silence yeah i really that i <laughs> speak through it okay. <laughs> uh i i really like that because it's a i actually kind of check myself by doing that um it, it's an interesting thing i so what you're saying is what you're saying is i can tell kind of where my mental state is at or how i'm doing by how i can deal with nothing with silence, right? If I feel the constant need to preoccupy that space, I can tell that I'm probably not doing that great. <laughs> but if I can just sit in my thoughts comfortably, then I know I, I know I'm doing pretty good. So I that I really like that. Yeah. There's also the other side of the coin. Imagine if your mind is terribly busy and you feel uncomfortable in that moment about something. Hmm. And something pulls you to do something that you shouldn't be doing. That's the time. And you should just stop. And be comfortable with the uncertainty the moment brings. And just begin an inquiry. Why am I feeling like this? Why am I so preoccupied with whatever I'm preoccupied with? Become the observer of yourself. That's, that's exactly what happens to me when I, when I try to sleep. And so my mind is so busy that I lie down and I want to go to sleep straight away. But instead, I remember this, I remember this, I remember this, I have to write this down, I have to send this email, I have to do this. And it becomes a real chore. And I almost have to start scheduling for it. So I, instead of saying, oh, I'll go to bed at 10, I say, I'll go to bed at half nine. So I know it take me half an hour to cycle through all of this. But maybe I should just let it go, you know. I don't know. I'll try it out. Yes. Okay. Uh, I um let me just pull up the neck uh, I we prepared a couple of questions. Um I've got your questions in front of me as well, so this helps me. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. We we've already kind of covered the first one. Um so I guess we can just go into the next one which is um I'll, I'll read it out for the benefit of those listening uh so you are an entrepreneur as well as a magician uh, i know you have the vincent academy you books youtube channel you you're quite a producer not rather than just being a consumer so you you, you are interested in that side of things and i've i've heard you describe yourself as uh, having a business mind um and 
we really like looking at crossovers between business and magic. Um, so we were wondering if you could let us know of any interesting overlaps that you've seen between business and magic. Okay, so the overlaps and crossovers between being an artist and a businessman. Well, you've heard the expression show business, two separate entities to show the business, the artist, the businessman. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't like it. Why? Because I have to be two different people in the same body. The mm. artist is a very sensitive creature, sensitive to everything around him the environment, the atmosphere, the vibes of the audience. And he becomes someone who not only has a technical mastery of his subject, but he's also very sensitive to the audience. And he can tap into that sensitivity and alter it through a funny a gag, a moment of silence, empathy, rapport. A businessman has a technical skill for business. He also has the ability to say no in the middle of an intense negotiation. He has the ability to get up and walk out the door and say, this isn't for me, goodbye. He can be cold-blooded, he can be ruthless. He can speak the truth and the people around the table may not like it. A businessman and a good one is willing to go with the roll of the dice and gamble. His aversion to risk is very high after analyzing a lot of data. So there, there's a sensitivity there. However, there's an element of recklessness about it. I know for myself, I don't like being that person, but I've had to be in certain situations. Why is that? Because over the years, people have tried to play me. Oh, do the job. It'll be a good exposure. Guess what my reaction is? I'm sick and tired of exposing myself and coming away with nothing. Yeah. I would always respond to the communication that came at me. Rightly or wrongly, this is me. But Michael, you're throwing away a good opportunity. It's an opportunity that sucks as far as I'm concerned. Because I know if I do the job, I won't enjoy it. That's the first thing. Secondly, I'm just sensing... When I've done the job, I may have to wait several weeks before I get paid, and then I'll be ending up chasing my money. Where is it? I hate that. That was back in the 90s. I lost count how many of those conversations I had. Once we hit 2000, something interesting happened. I bought my first computer. I experienced the internet. I built my first website, crap as it was. And then something interesting happened. I bought a piece of software. It was called Actonic for building an online store. Imagine how I felt when I went to bed and I woke up the following morning and I had made some money while I was sleeping. I thought, damn, this is a good idea. Money while you sleep. And then a friend of mine told me, Michael, welcome to the world of passive residual income. I said, what the heck is that? Making money while you sleep. Wow. That's when I built my first store, selling my DVDs and stuff. It's become a little bit more elaborate now. I could be the businessman without ever having to step foot in someone's office or answer mm. the phone. 
I could be a little bit more gentle through email communication, well-crafted text on a page, let people read it. If they want it, they'll buy it. Now that we have video, my text has diminished. Why? Because I say this with no ego. I'm speaking of fact. My mentor was Alan Allen. He used to own a magic shop in Holborn. I used to go there every day after school. He used to train me. And the one thing he said, when you step out in front of a camera, treat that camera as a portal into someone's living room. When you get to a TV studio, ask the director, which camera do you favor? Camera free. Okay, so camera free is the one that puts me right into people's living room. Yes, all the other cameras are just angles that we can play with to get the best shot. Okay, great. What am I talking about? Camera three allows me to talk directly to you and you can feel my presence. You can feel me engaging with you. You can feel me in your room. Wow. So my YouTube channel became, it became my own personal TV station. And here's the best thing. You don't need me to tell you this. We never have to wait for ITV or BBC to ring us again. Because we are the creators of our own TV show, our own content. The average man on the street, if he's got an idea, boom, put it on the internet, build your audience, build your tribe, inspire people to fall in love with you. This is unprecedented in the, in the whole of human history. We can build a tribe of followers far quicker than it would normally take two people to fall in love or to establish a rapport with each other to do business together. Think about that. This whole thing about content-driven reality, the world that we're living now, to be honest, I don't see myself as an entrepreneur. I guess I fall under that label because I'm doing different things. For me, it's very simple. I've got three passions in life. I love magic, I'm a skill photographer, and I love people. Boom. And I just answered one question. How can I build my tribe? Okay, what, do my, what does my tribe want that only I can give? Well, I'm a skilled magician. I can talk to a camera and people can feel me. Great. And I can speak in such a way that people will be rattled by my conversation. When I say rattled, what I really mean is my conversation is provocative because it does this to people. Somebody comes to my channel and they've got this vision. After the first vision, they go uh, video. They go from this to this. Whoa. And then from this to this. Wow, Vincent, that video on being authentic really expanded my mind. Really? What did you learn for yourself? Well, I realize I've been hiding all my life. So they've gone from this to this. <laughs> they've seen things that were hidden from their view. So I'm using magic as a way to provide people with an access to see themselves in the game of life much bigger than they have done. Because they're trapped with this narrow 
point of view. Imagine if you could do this and see stuff about yourself that you didn't see previously as a result of this conversation. It's scary, but exciting. Why do I say that? Because you can be free of any past-based conversation that's been holding you back. You can now live your life with the handbrake off and fly, baby, just fly. And honestly express yourself in a world full of lies. We need more people telling the truth now. So for me, entrepreneur, magician, photographer, speaker, the overlap, it's all one. Because these are just tools that I have found that I can use to express myself, okay? And to share what's written on my heart. And what is written on my heart? Life is a beautiful thing. We've all been blessed with unique skills and talents. What does the world need from you that only you can give? That is a question we all have to ask ourselves and then go out and answer it. Did you ever see the film Forrest Gump? It's a great film. I only saw it for the first time a few weeks ago. I'd heard about it, but I never saw it from beginning to end. What a beautiful film. And the subtext of that film doesn't matter what world you were born into. This boy started out as a cripple, but he became a runner. He goes to Vietnam, but his mindset really didn't connect with the horror of the situation. If you really look at it, he was just being himself. Okay. He had love for one woman, Jenny, and he was honest about it from the word go, but he never gave up on her. Do you see that? And his mother says to him, you got to find out your destiny. What's my destiny, mama? Well, only you can answer that for yourself. Just go out and live. My mother said to me the magic words, enjoy your life, but don't come home with something you didn't leave with. How cool is that? It's really simple when you get down to it. Follow your passion and watch what happens because most people aren't. Most yeah. people are caught in the matrix. Yeah, it's, it, it, actually, it actually reminds me of a, a speech that uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger gave. Yeah, Arnie. <laughs> yeah, good old Arnie, uh, where yeah. he, he spoke about... Um, how in America, at least 75% um, of Americans don't enjoy the job they're doing, right? And so it kind of falls into what you're saying, right? It's like, are you going to be in that 75% because you're not willing to chase your passion? Or are you going to be in that 25% who wake up and maybe not every day, but they wake up and they're excited to do something that they love, right? Because they're chasing their passions. And I love just to like go back a little bit I love that you woke up and you couldn't hear and you still went and performed a magic show. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. that shows, I don't know. I think I just want to highlight that to people. Like aside from like Michael Vincent's, like obviously just like tenacity and everything he spoke about. I mean, he got up and went and did it when it you had every excuse not to do it. Right. And it's interesting because from that experience, at least to me, it seems like, well, you performed, it was fine. And so you said to yourself, okay, 
I can do this, right? But what would have happened if Michael Vincent at the past stayed in bed and canceled that magic show? You know, you just don't know. I mean, I, I would have. If I woke up deaf, I would not do a magic show. So I, if I lost my hearing one morning, there's no way I'm going to do a magic show. So Jacob, I, I just I, respect on that. I don't mind telling you, I really did freak out. I don't want this to sound like it was a piece of cake. Trust me, it wasn't. I was freaked out all day. And uh, even when I was doing the show, people were saying I was speaking too loud. So, yes, I functioned and the show did well. But I'm sure the audience looking at me didn't quite know what was wrong with this man. Because <laughs> I, I was under a lot of stress internally to try and be as normal as I could, nice. if that makes sense. But normal, yeah. I wasn't. <laughs> but it goes back to what we discussed earlier. Just getting out of bed is the beginning. Okay, what are we going to create today? So for me as a magician, an entrepreneur, let's just take a step backwards for a moment. In the first question, you asked me, how am I? What am I up to right now? And then we went into entrepreneurialism and magician. Well, yeah. right now, I'm working on my book, my next book. That's exciting. So my next book is called, wait for it, Lockdown Meditations. Me myself and my magic okay mm. the book's almost finished i told you i'm a photographer so when mum goes to bed i set my lights up and i'm taking photographs of my hands and then i put all the images on the computer i edit them in photoshop get them looking really crisp and now all the photos are done i'm laying the book out mm. okay and this book already i'm beginning to feel a sense of pride simply because it looks good. The tr it's some good magic in it. The conversation's right. good. So right now, yes, I'm an entrepreneur and a magician, but once the book's ready, I become a marketeer. Mm -hmm. And then I'm communicating with my tribe. And I'm using YouTube and Instagram to build my audience. Do you get that? Yeah. So um, it's, it's really quite wonderful. All of these resources we have now for meeting people, albeit in cyberspace, okay? But here's the one thing I promise myself. Anybody that follows me on YouTube, watch my videos, or they look at my photographs, or they follow me on Instagram, when they, if they should ever meet me face-to-face, -face, the person they meet and the person they chose to follow will be one hundred percent congruent and we attest you, you, to that you took the words <laughs> out of my mouth i was going i was actually going to make a point of saying that um how it's funny because i watch your videos and you have all this eloquence and these amazing uh, like insights and maybe some people just wonder well okay you must have spent a while like writing that out and figuring out how to phrase it like that and how to set this up and do this whereas we've just been on there purely improvising like none of this has been set up and we asked you questions. We didn't even tell you we were going to ask the question. And the, the level of insight you gave in the answer was exactly the kind of stuff we see on a YouTube channel. So, yeah, it's uncanny. You said what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As, as I was saying, we, we can attest that you are the same person. Uh, so, yeah. 
if you need testimonials for being the same guy, we're your guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that congruency is the thing because I can promise you one thing. People that follow me and they meet me, they approach me with the feeling that they know me, but I don't know who they are. It's not until I look on Instagram, I can see I'm following this person. Do you get that? So um, it's very interesting. And it's proof positive that whether it's a podcast, a video, we can reach people in a way far quicker now than we ever could at any other time in human history. And when I say reach them, I mean reach their hearts and minds. Do you get that? Yeah. Okay. Um, you started talking about your book, which brings us to our third question. Yeah. So could you just tell us um, what are your plans going forward for, um, I guess, all of your creative projects? So your uh, YouTube channel, Vintage Academy, books, uh, anything else you have in the works that we don't know about? Um, I'm sure everyone would just love to hear. You've already talked about one of them a bit, but we're happy to hear more. Um. So you want to hear about the book? Yeah, just all of your creative projects. And all of right my now. projects and things. Okay, let's go back in time. 2000, Michael Vincent Productions. Back then, I had two booklets, close-up classics, three professional card routines, and I was slowly building a series of DVDs called Tapestry of Deception, which looks at the misdirection and how I've applied it to various routines. Um, I'm a first generation student of Slidini. So mm. um, Slidini's magic and the coaching I got from him changed the way I thought about psychology and deception. And I wanted to communicate that to students in such a way that it was easy to understand and you didn't need to read the magic of Slidini, although I encouraged them to do so. Okay, right. So by 2008, I had a quite a nice inventory of DVDs, projects. Now I'm writing books. Um, my, the first book I wrote was called Mastering Magic. It's a book that I prepared for my first seminar, which was in 2013. Mm. Had about 10 people turned up. They're the only ones that have a copy of this book. I wanted to make something really exclusive because the book is a transcript of the entire day, but it's a beautiful book. You could read it and get value from it. Okay. Mastering magic. And then my next book would be the first book in a series of books on meditations. So the, that book was called the ultimate travelers. Are you familiar with this particular trick? Um, the original. So the travelers. Yeah. Yes, the four aces, the four different pockets, stars of magic, Divernon. My book is a PhD dissertation on that trick. What did I do? I went through Vernon's trick, dissected it, and I saw everything that was wrong with it. And I came to the realization it's a beautiful trick, but it's the most poorly constructed and poorly designed card routine I've ever come across. <laughs> wow, Michael Vincent, you just criticized the trick of Vernon. Yes, I did. How can you do that? It's sacrilegious. Our heroes and mentors were limited by the information they had 
at the time of their greatness. And I'm sure when Vernon performed the trick with his casual naturalness, he fooled people with it. And the audience, which were probably mostly magicians, they didn't know much about construction and design back then as much as we do now. Our generation is so lucky. Why do I say that? We've got people like us, Tamarez, Ascanio, Di Vernon, Tommy Wonder, master, masters of the construction and design of great card magic, particularly Darwin Ortiz. Darwin even wrote a book called Designing the Impossible or Designing Miracles. Is this one, right? Oh, this is my favorite book. Oh my goodness. This book takes you inside the mind of lay people and experience the natural causal thought process they go through when they watch a magic trick. Lay people aren't intelligent. They just see through some tricks. Why? Because it's obvious. Cigarette through coin. Let me see the coin. That must be a special coin because there's no coin in my reality that allows that to happen. Do you get that? So when I started working on the travelers, I was documenting my notes. This trick's become a, uh, sorry, this book has become a bestseller because my tribe now want deeper conversations about magic, not just the superficial tricks. They want to understand the why. Now, why is that? Because they've seen my performances on YouTube. They've seen Penn and Teller and they want to understand. And these are the emails I've been getting. How can you be so calm in front of a camera? Okay. I can't believe you did that trick better than the author. What's going on here? So all of these questions get answered because they've become my students now through my academy. Okay. Okay. So the next book I wrote was this one. This one I'm very proud of. This is called Meditations on the Sting. Have you got card shark? No, not yet. Okay, was, this is my just... this is book by Darwin Ortiz. It's my favorite book on card magic, bar none. In this book, the last trick in the book is called The Sting. It's a gambling demonstration. I did the same thing with Darwin's routine. I dissected it and I wrote my notes up in this book. So I've taken a gambling routine and I don't consider myself to be a gambling expert of any kind, far from it. But something interesting happened. When I performed this trick, it has a feeling of magic about it. Picture this. I give the spectator the deck to shuffle. Take the deck back and I'm just casually shuffling. Then I deal out five hands. I've just dealt myself four aces. That's what they see happen immediately after they've shuffled. I did this at a private party. Somebody said, show us a card trick. I was astounded by the reaction. And I said to Darwin, this got more impact than one of my normal card routines. I I'm confused because I'm not a gambling expert. I learned how to riffle stack. I do it well. It's functional. It's competent. They said, Michael, you've reached the point now that I was hoping you would arrive at. So what's that? He said, there's card magic, but you've now entered the realm of magical skill. 
magical skill. The average layman doesn't understand what we go through to arrive at a masterpiece of magic. They think all magicians go to Hamley's and buy a box of trick. That's it. They don't know that we sit down in front of a mirror for hours on end, shuffling into the wee hours of the morning, or we go to bed at night and we can't sleep. Why? Because the brain has decided to deliver a fully formatted masterpiece. It's happened. You get out of bed, 2 a.m., and I start practicing. And guess what? It works. And then I go back to sleep and I sleep like a baby. <laughs> it's quite weird. And then when I wake up in the morning, everything's there for me to pick up. That's what happened with the travelers. So the next book, Lockdown Meditations, continues the series. So this book, when we went into lockdown last year, Part of my daily ritual after looking after my mother was to go to my coffee shop. That was my one hour respite every day. And I would just drink coffee and shuffle, write notes. And then I started typing. And one of the routines that I was practicing was the spectator cuts the aces. They shuffle, this is what happens. They shuffle the deck cut the deck into four piles and they turn over the top card four aces that's the effect so this has been documented in the next book now here's the best part i've got four books to write this year one every quarter the next one's this one's coming out in april okay and the others i will space out once every four months okay so these things keep me busy, keep my mind healthy, and I get to practice my photography because we're all locked down. We can't go anywhere. <laughs> so, um, and I've got my audience ready and waiting to sell and promote to, okay? The, the subtext to this conversation, every day, on Instagram, I am posting something that keeps them plugged in to my universe. Hey guys, pick up a copy of Stars and Magic. Let's go back to basics. Just pick one of the routines you think you do well and start again. Let's go back to basics. But remember this, we're going back to basics with 20 years of experience under our belt. See if you can make this trick better than you currently do. Check the video in my bio. I've had an idea for X, Y, Z. That's why I posted cups and balls. You've probably seen it with the coffee cups. That was recorded a few months ago. And my DVD sold on cups and balls magic. Makes sense. Beautiful. <laughs> That's really cool. So it's one part showmanship. And yes, there's a business side because I want to promote the product. But here's the thing. I'm not a mercenary. No way. I'm selling something that has profound value. And if you're interested, here it is. Done. Mm. Sorry, I've been rambling too much. That's fine. <laughs> no, no, you haven't. <laughs> Thank you. Like you said, like you said, we're just trying to listen. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that actually leads us pretty perfectly onto 
our next question, um, which was just, oh, I'm speaking, I'm speaking, I just spoke in French by accident. I speak French, so I, I was going to say justement. It's for some reason that word never leaves my head. I don't know why. Okay. You're thinking uh, in French right now. I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. It happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, if you could lip read French, you, that would just blow my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I wanted to ask the question. Well, we wanted to ask the question. Um, it's hard to post every day. It's hard yeah. to produce a lot of content. Um, yeah. We, we send daily emails. Benji and I, and it's, it's hard work. Um, so how do you do it? How do you, how do you stay disciplined? Well, here's the golden rule. If you've got nothing to say, don't force it. Mm. It doesn't mean that we're not scrolling and having a look, seeing what's out there. The one thing that has helped me read the comments. What are people saying about my stuff, particularly on YouTube? Some of the comments are stupid but you have to accept that comes with the territory and I'm always looking for a hook and here's the thing because I'm deaf I've had to listen beyond the written word beyond the spoken word so when people post a comment in the background of my mind I'm asking what's going on here what are they really asking me Michael, how can you be so calm on camera doing such incredible sleight of hand? What's he really saying? I could never do that. I'm nervous. Okay. Right. I'm, I'm nervous performing tricks for my family and friends. There's a self-esteem issue right there. That's what's going on in the background. Hmm. So I'm going to, trigger something for you guys because you are you guys are radio people yes you listen for the words to get the content but what you're listening for is the hidden declaration in the background that's not being communicated but drives the spoken word this right. is the closest thing to mind reading what is this person really saying the way he's written that doesn't sound right to me what's going on here so this gives me a hook to talk about stuff and because I like taking photographs, I go for long walks with my camera. I see something interesting. It may have a magical content, or it may just be an interesting story about life that goes on my other feed. Fuji Warrior, that's me, at Fuji Warrior. I'll give you two here so that you can see, okay? Yeah. Where's my ampersand? There we go. Okay. That's my Instagram feed and uh, at Mike V Studio. I don't post something every day, but I am building stuff that I will share later. The one thing I refuse to do is to be a slave to this beast. Because no sooner have you posted content somebody's asking you to post something else and you just cannot keep up with that kind of demand okay no way and i don't want to live like that so my first golden rule i post when i feel i have something interesting to share done 
and I may go on a binge for a week and then bail out for a few days. That's fine. You need to plug in and recharge yourself. You need to plug into life. That's why I go for long walks and take photographs of ducks and birds. <laughs> Talk to homeless people, take their portrait, try get a sense of why they're in that situation. Um, you know, the people who sell the big issue, they have my great admiration because every issue they sell gives them a meal. There's a lot of dignity in that. There's a lot of dignity in that because they still want to feel useful and significant. And it's actually a very good magazine, the big issue. One fella, he happened to be selling the issue that had Elvis Presley on the cover. And uh, it was Elvis in the black leather costume. So he was just standing there holding. I said to him, when I was a boy, I remember seeing that show. This was Presley at his best. He was raw to the core. The voice was pure magic. I said, did you ever like Elvis? He said, yeah, I did, but I was a big fan of the Bay City Rollers. So he made me laugh. <laughs> and um, I said to him, listen, mate, um, can I buy one? He said, sure. I gave him, bought the magazine. I said to him, I'm a photographer. I would love to take your portrait because I want to promote what you're doing on my Instagram. So he let me take his portrait and I posted it with a tag. So that's how I got related to him. Okay, which was really quite nice. And you know what, we had a good rapport with each other. So it taught me a valuable lesson about humanity. And that in this life, if anybody gets left behind, we all fail, all of us. And we are all accountable when somebody gets left behind. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, okay. uh, yeah, that I actually, I'm going to write that down one sec. <laughs> if anybody gets left behind, we all fail. I like that. Um, it's like, I don't know, so it's not, a lot of times in religion or just in general, we can talk about us all being a big family, right? That the whole world is a family. Um, but that's almost said so much that we don't hear it anymore. Um, and it's interesting when you said that I was thinking about, um, and we don't usually talk about this on the podcast, but I will, this one's, um, I was thinking about the like political climate in the U S right now, uh, and the, the current contention and hatred actually really a lot of hatred, um, and just dismissal of each other. Uh, and I like that you said that, right. That if one person gets left behind, we all fail. Um, because if we believe that we are actually a big family, you're not, you don't give up. Well, <laughs> unless, you know, something goes horribly, horribly wrong. Right. You don't give up on a family member. Right. You, you, unless, you know, anyway, just for the sake of the metaphor, right. <laughs> There's well, not, I'm, I'm glad you said that because you've given me an opportunity to share something. I would like to, I'm going to be unreasonable here for both of you. When this interview is over, I would like you to both go online and just Google landmark education. Okay. Just Google it, go to a meeting. This is a no kidding request. Just go, it's free. It will take up one evening. One yeah. of two things will happen. You will either sign up for the landmark forum immediately, like I did, or you'll just say, this is crap, not for me. Fine, just do it. Okay. Because, yeah, because what it will do, 
Let me share what it did for me. The gentleman who ran the evening said something that really got my attention because at the time, me and my ex-girlfriend were arguing too much. I would say A, but she would hear Z. She wasn't responding to what I was actually saying. And I would never, and we ended up arguing about crap. And I never understood that until he said something. And he said to me, we just don't listen. This was before I lost my hearing. This is interesting. So what do you mean we don't listen? We got it. So no, Michael, you've got ears, but you're not listening. So if I'm not listening, what am I listening to? He said, you're listening to your internal commentary about what you want to say after I finish speaking, but you didn't actually hear what I said. Because if you actually heard what I just said, this conversation would have had a different, a different tone about it. In that moment, the penny dropped. We all have a series of filters through which communication has to fight to get through. And the predominant filter that we all have is that we are listening to the sound of our own internal commentary about what we think is going on, but we're not actually listening to what is actually happening. And we're listening to our own thoughts and feelings about what we think is happening. Does that make sense? Here's yeah. the beautiful thing. Once you get this for yourself, that filter disappears and you can be in reality exactly as it is and exactly as it isn't and then choose powerfully who am I going to be about this how am I going to respond this is a moment of profound awareness and incredible personal power this has changed my life and my magic's come along for the ride <laughs> as a result. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it's, it's interesting because we had a similar transition by doing this podcast where we started out often with guests and we had questions and we wanted to be prepared. We wanted to, 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 to listen well for, for people listening. We wanted it to flow. And so we had all these questions and people would come on and we'd hear them. And maybe we'd reply, but then we'd, we'd want to come back to questions we'd already planned because we felt we wanted to control that and make it a good experience. Whereas what we've learned doing more of it is how much, maybe it's not quite as polished, but it is so much more raw and genuine to just actually listen to what whoever's on the podcast says and just ask them about what they said rather than what we planned to ask them. And so maybe you've noticed we've even done that in this where we've had seven questions. We've maybe asked three of them, but we've had a great time talking because we've talked about stuff we're both interested in and we tried harder to listen and we're not um, perfect at it yet but even just making that mind mindset shift like you said is everything because you just get you better what, at it over time you said something interesting that's triggered a thought because of this education it's inspired me to listen to people not from the way that i listen and pay attention but to listen to how they listen and hear, because we all listen differently. And this has a lot to do with a person's rules and values that they bring to every conversation in life, because some things are gonna be more important to them than others. And just learning to listen inside a person's world is the most powerful thing. Think about this for a moment. When you step out in front of an audience, let's say 50 people, you've got 50 
different points of view watching you. And if you were to interview 50 people afterwards and say, what did you think of the performance? You'll get 50 different opinions because they all processed it differently through whatever filter. And as Tony Robbins says, different models of the world. Imagine if all that stuff wasn't there, but just a pure baby-like ability to just process everything with no attachment nothing to come from nothing and be present to everything that's a beautiful space to be that's what the forum gave me to come from nothing no opinion no judgment nothing and just think oh wow riots in america interesting hmm. what's causing this who benefits hmm. wow a man's died because the police stood on his throat Wow, that's an interesting situation. What's the backstory going on here? Hmm, okay. And then I look at the reaction to George Foley's death. Wow, here we go again. Rodney King for the 20th century, 21st century. Things haven't changed. It's a reoccurring story. Do you get that? And the reaction, interesting. So I'm, I'm watching and I'm thinking, what can I say about this? And then I posted my video on YouTube about it and my thoughts and feelings about the whole racial climate. And the key thing that I said, not all white people are racist. We do live in a racist world, no question, but we cannot label everyone with the same brush. How can I say that? Because my life has told me so because most of the people who took an interest in me were not black people. Alan Allen was Jewish, Manchester. Slidini was Italian. Harry Lorraine, New Yorker. All my heroes, René Lavon, Argentina. And I sat quietly and I asked myself, why would these men take an interest in me? I'm a black kid from the Caribbean uh, uh, community. Michael, they only took an interest in you for one reason. You were a young student and you could do the work. And not only that, you did the work really, really well as a teenager. It's a shame they're not alive now because they would have been really happy. That's what I said to myself. I felt happy. So, okay. And I was just left with a profound awareness. If I can move people, really move them, to just shift their point of view about how they see themselves, not just black people, but white people too, shift how they see themselves in this melting pot of humanity. We would see one very important thing. We are all on a ball of rock spinning in space between the sun and the moon. And if a meteorite was to strike at any moment, none of us would get out alive. and we just might be able to save a life. And it doesn't matter who's saving the life. This was a profound awakening for me to realize I am constantly vulnerable every minute of the day, not because of what's happening on earth, but for everything that's happening up in space. Because meteorites pass every minute of the day. It just so happens they're not on our trajectory. Do you get that? How do I know this? Because I read about it. So we've got clever people 
watching the sky all day. They must go bonkers. <laughs> but it's a really interesting thing to look at when you think about it. So just consider this conversation. I don't know who's going to hear it, but I can promise you one thing, it will trigger something for someone. Thank you, Michael. My pleasure. Um, so there's, more, there's more to this than card tricks. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I can ask them. Benji, do you want to ask the next question or I can? Yeah. Last question? We can make uh, it the last question. Yeah. I think, well, yeah, just maybe we'll ask one more. Okay. Uh, and then, well, and then we have a final big question, but okay. I feel like you've kind of answered it already but it's something that we like to ask all the guests because we think it's interesting. Understood, um, got it. But yeah. So, yeah, go ahead, Benji. I'll just... Um, these are kind of similar. So I, I think this would be an interesting question if you want to go with Which that. one are you looking at, number six? Um, five, I think. Number five. Five, yeah. Five, okay. So I'll just read the question for, for people listening. The question was um, that people in Magic love to talk about their favorite magic books we've already done that um it's a lot of fun but often one question that doesn't get asked is what like non-magic books have most influenced you and the way you approach magic and we've actually have talked about one non-magic book um or somewhat with victor frankel who he has a book which is not about magic but we talked a lot about it and it's definitely one of the best out there but just any other books you've really that have influenced you that aren't magic books basically what non-magic books yeah yeah Okay, let's see what we got here. Most of my non-magic books. Okay, let's have a look. I've got a few right here, which I'll share with you. Mm, let's see what we got. Okay, okay. Uh, okay, that's helped my career. This one. There's an interesting story to this one and this one. Uh, and I'll, oops, excuse me, I'll mention a few others as well. Okay. This book was given to me by Darwin Ortiz. And it's written by one of my favorite authors, Dr. Robert Anthony. Okay, it's called Put Your Money Where Your Mouth Is. <laughs> he also wrote a book on personal development. This particular book is called How to Make a Fortune from Public Speaking. It's easily written. It's beautifully written. Yep, uh, Darwin's picture's in here. And this is the first book I read on public speaking and how to make money from it. And uh, so it's really a business book, but also the whole infrastructure of the speaking world. It got me prepared decades ago for, for speaking at a TEDx event that I did last year, which was a big mm. deal. Okay, you can see that online, by the way. It's called The Magic of Perception, uh, TEDx um, Good Enough College. Okay, so that was one book. Another book that had a big impact is called The Seven Spiritual Laws of Success by Deepak Chopra. Oh, I love, I love Deepak Chopra. Oh my goodness. Have you got this yeah. one? I don't have that one. I have to get that. Let me just read to you something from here that made me realize that I'm doing okay with the life that I've chosen. Right, let me just take off my glasses because I can't read with them on. 
This is the seventh spiritual law, the last one. And it, it's called the law of Dharma or power, purpose in life. He said, everyone has a purpose in life, a unique gift or special talent to give to others. And when we blend this unique talent with service to others, we experience the ecstasy and the exaltation of our own spirit, which ultimately is the goal of all goals. So he goes on to talk about the law of Dharma and this extra quote by Khalil uh, Gilbrand, the prophet. When you, when you work, you are a flute through whose heart the whispering of the hours turns to music. And what is it to work with love? It is to weave the cloth with threads drawn from your heart, even as if your beloved were to wear that cloth. So what he's speaking about here is the very notion of... You've heard many people say, be passionate, follow your dreams, do what you love. But it really comes down to something so simple. Even Steve Jobs said it, find something you enjoy doing. Because this is where you are going to spend most of your life. You will spend more time doing what you love than you actually will with your family. So you've got to make sure you find your purpose. Okay. I never ever entertained thoughts of being a professional magician. I started practicing magic because I loved the subject. It was really interesting to me. But the reasons why I stayed into magic are different to why I started in the first place. When I started, I wanted to learn how the tricks were done. But I didn't realize that I signed the ultimate oath by discovering the secrets. I gave up the right to ever experience astonishment again. <gasps> It's been decades since anyone's really fooled me with any magic. It's fine. So why did I continue? I became interested in the psychology of it, the psychology of deception. And who inspired me with that thought? Slidini. I met the greatest magician in my entire life. I sat one-on-one -on -one with him. I've got his picture on the wall just behind me. I saw real magic before my eyes when he performed for me. And I wanted to understand why I felt like this too. And it was explained to me. And what has kept it interesting has been my audience because I've entertained people all over the world. And I have seen the most hardened, cynical human being melt like a baby, a simple magic trick. Let's think of another book. There's a book by Tony Robbins called Awaken the Giant. It's a big green book. It's about this big. It's the playbook on how your brain works. This man has written the most extraordinary book, Awaken the Giant. He wrote this book after his other classic book, which was called Unlimited Power. Unlimited Power. Oh, you're a man after my own heart. This book is a killer book. This book is like designing miracles for human psychology. 
no question because the key phrase is right at the beginning the power of your communication determines the quality of your life what does it presuppose well what are you saying to yourself and what do you make it mean because the meaning that you attach to what you tell yourself is going to impact your behavior out there in the world and it also comes with a response from others which you then have to deal with and manage so the first job was to understand uh, your internal dialogue so this is a really beautiful playbook on internal communication and also the most beautiful thing the power of rapport building through neuro-linguistic programming modeling rapport techniques which i don't really think about it just happens naturally now why because i care about people and you know how to tap into that energy with people otherwise it becomes mechanical and prescriptive which you don't want you don't want people to feel that you're playing them or they're they're being played that's not nice um i think this is actually part it's partly built into our dna modeling and mirroring because you watch children you can see it okay so this these books have had a good impact on my life what uh, one two novels not magic related the godfather by mario putzo this is a masterpiece of storytelling i've read the book three times how's it impacted me this book has shown me how a man and i'm talking about marlon brando's character not michael the don Don Corleone came from nothing but all he had was he had a he had a remarkable gift forget all the violence and the mafioso the Don his beautiful quality as a human being was the dignity and respect he gave to everyone he gave dignity and respect he treated everyone with dignity and respect And the people who took that gift and disrespected it, they experienced the other side of the coin with Don, with the Don. But his whole game plan, be reasonable with people, be a friend, make friends. And don't be, what's the word I'm looking for? Don't be shy about doing a favor for a friend because somewhere down the road you may need to call on this man's service to support you with something and he will be willing to help you read this book it will teach you how to live the world right now it's beautiful the other book was called Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption by Stephen King it's a novella short story I had seen the film but I read the book afterwards and the way he wrote it he wrote the book from red's point of view morgan freeman's character who notices the new arrivals and basically it's written like a journal red talking about his experiences with andy and then right at the end he's walking along the beach i hope i hope so you get it from one person's point of view what did i learn about this story two men two different worlds who embraced each other as friends 
in the most difficult context a human being could find themselves in. And they both found a reason to appreciate the beauty of life and to fight for it. But Andy did something very beautiful for Red. He inspired him to live again beyond the context of prison. That was all he knew throughout his life. So it made me appreciate as magicians, when somebody comes to see my show, I don't know what they're dealing with in their lives. They've come to escape. They've come to be entertained. They fancied a bit of a laugh. They don't know what to expect. Take all of that. What is the gift I can give them? I can give them an experience so profound, it completely alters their relationship to reality and themselves. True story. I came home one, one night after a show. I'm, in, I'm lying in bed and I see a, <laughs> an email. It was from a lady who had seen my show the night before. She said, Michael, and I'm paraphrasing, I just wanted to write this message to thank you for the wonderful performance you gave last night. I didn't really want to come, but my daughter bought me a ticket to the Magic Circle because it was my birthday. You don't know this, but I've been having a terrible time of late with a few personal issues. And that trick you did with the little box, Pandora, the trick's called Pandora's Paradox, it made me realize that in life we need a little bit of mystery and uncertainty because it forces us to create, to move beyond our circumstances. Because on the other side, we don't know what's waiting for us, but we cannot allow ourselves to remain stuck and whatever's keeping us stuck. That trick, funny enough, made me appreciate that. Because what happens at the end just can't happen, but it does. It's a beautiful trick. Pandora's Paradox. You can see it on YouTube. So, um... It's funny, I'm, I've, got, I've got a very weird brain, but I see, I make connections that are very supportive for me. So these books, I could mention a few more, but these are the ones that come to mind. Um, I will just share one more thing in relation to this. I'm studying photography, or have been for the last few years. And as a street photographer, it's teaching me to see everything like this. And I put a frame around everything, 35 millimeter. And the question I'm asking myself is, what's the story going on here? What's the story here? What's the story? And I'm not shy to take a photograph. If I see something, boom. This is interesting. I love Aston Martins to Bonfan. On my road, there's at least three Aston Martins, DB9, DB5, there's even uh, the Vantage. I photographed all of them. One afternoon, a lady approached me and she was sort of semi-confrontational. She says to me, did you just take a photograph of that car? Yes, madam, I did. Is there a problem? He said, well, that car belongs to a friend of mine. My response was, so? He says to me, do you know the owner of that car? I said, well, I've met him, but I don't know him personally. And when I did meet him, I complimented him on the car. I said, that's a beautiful car, beautiful convertible. And I said to him, 
the best part of my day is seeing your car because I just love the Aston Martin. I said, oh, thank you. That was it. So she was going on and on and on. And I got annoyed with her. And in that moment, I decided to take the gloves off. I said, miss, I appreciate the fact that you're being the kind and vigilant neighbor, but I want you to know something. I live in this neighborhood. I've lived in this neighborhood all my life. I see that car every day. If you have a problem with me photographing that car, go and speak to your friend, bring him outside. Let's have a conversation because I'm not breaking the law. Because if your friend doesn't want me to photograph his car, he should park it in a private garage because a car like that should be in a private garage. You don't spend nearly half a million pounds on a car and put it on the street like that. So let's have an intelligent conversation. That car is on that street because the owner wants it to be noticed. Don't mess with me. I'm a student in human psychology. I said, so let's just get a handle on things. Shall we continue? She said, no, it's fine. And then she, off she walked. What am I saying here? Sometimes, this is something my mentor told me. Michael, in life, you've got to be the steel fist in the velvet glove. So what do you mean? He said, Michael, and he was straight with me. He said, if there's one thing I've learned about people of color, they punch first and ask questions later. I don't want you to go down that road. He said, why not? He said, because it can do more harm than good. And then you have to end up eating humble pie afterwards. Use your intelligence. In your case, wear extra layers of velvet. Be a pussycat with people. But there will come a time when you've got to take the, the glove off and show your steel. But until that day comes on, keep the gloves on. Okay. Wow. That was a million dollar lesson because what have I learned? Most of the time, most people are not cognizant of the way they are behaving. Have you ever performed something for a member of the audience and they were being deliberately obnoxious and their only benefit was to prove their superiority over you because they saw you as a magician, not up to their level. Have you ever been in that situation? It's water wet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's happened to me on numerous occasions. You know what I did? I was honest. I said, sir, I can tell you have absolutely zero interest in enjoying my performance. So guess what? I'm going to put my props away. I'm leaving. Have a good evening. I got up and I left. The audience were gobsmacked. Gobsmacked. That I would get up and walk. So yeah, I said, I don't need this crap. Keep the money. I said, I wasn't put on this planet to withstand that kind of abuse. No, thank you. I'm leaving. And I left. That's what it will take to transform situations, especially the way things are right now. And uh, that's what I have to say. <laughs> and so... This is interesting. It's just occurred to me. It's not all magic for me now. I have interest in other areas. And uh, I'm glad because I tell all my students, read the newspapers, cultivate an interest in something else. Look at your magic. You might find you're interested in, I don't know, digital photography or something. 
because you will have something interesting to bring back to your performance and share with people. Okay. And, uh, but if it's all, all magic, it's pretty one dimensional. And something I learned from Tony Robin, he said, expand your identity, expand it. Magician, carer, speaker, photographer. It's all part of my being now. Okay. I apologize for rambling. Anyway, we move no, on. No, that's all. Yeah, Michael, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I'm actually a bit pressed for time, but I've, I've absolutely loved everything that you've had to say. This, Thank you. This has been, and I'm sorry to everyone else, I loved everyone else that we had on, but this has been my favorite podcast by far. Uh, thank you so much for everything that you added. I'm being so genuine and real with us. I really appreciate it. Um, thank you. I think, I think Benji's going to stay on for a little bit afterwards, but if, uh, again, we want to give you opportunity, um, of course, at the end of the podcast to tell people where, where can people go if they want to learn more. Obviously, we have YouTube, we have Instagram. Who do you want and, and how can they reach out to you? Do me a favor. Um, your website, will it have the audio file that people could listen to? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So we, we can when send you send me the course. link, I can then share it on my Instagram and it will drive traffic to your website. And um, people can comment, I imagine. So I will pick up on that as we go along. So just let me know once it goes live, okay? Perfect. And if this people want great. to Thank you. find you from us, where, where can they go? I'm sorry? If people want to find you from listening to our podcast, where should they go? Yeah. MichaelVincentMagic.com Perfect. Simple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>